All right, over the last two weeks, the Rangers have turned their season around, going from uh, four and five games under 500, now above 500 for the first time this season, and they're, they're doing it about their best offensive player, Rick Nash. And joining me today to talk Rangers hockey, uh, among other things, is WFAN's Brian Monzo, and producer of Mike's On, Frances on the Fan. Monzo, how's it going today? I mean, uh, isn't Derek Stepan the greatest player the Rangers ever had? <laughs> well, some believe that. I know you don't, and uh, I know you were willing to, to let him go if he wanted to walk this season. So since we haven't talked in a while, let's start there. What's going on with Stepan? I know you know he's picked it up over the last few games. This, these these line changes have worked out well, now playing with Zuccarello um, and Kreider. And he's he had that hat trick, which is really most of his goals to this point. But for a guy who's supposed to be first, second-line center – uh, do you really think he's living up to the bill right now? Well, I think he's a second-line center, you know, at most. Um, and a lot of his early struggles had to do with not having a training camp, uh, you know, because he felt the need to hold out. But, uh, like, I busted his shot squad. A lot of it's for reaction. You know, he's a good player, but he's a second-line player. He's not a, you can't build your team around Derek Stepan and expect to compete. He's a nice complimentary player. Um, but he's not somebody you can build a team around. I, you know, he's, he's played well. He's played well as played. I think the one thing Elaine Vigneault does that John Tortorello didn't is let players develop a rapport with each other. And it looks like Stephon with Kreider and Zuccarello have played uh, well together and have a little something going. And you remember a couple of years ago, Kreider and Stephon played together in the playoffs for Brian Callahan. Uh, you know, so they kind of knew uh, how to play with each other uh, on the ice. Um, so, I mean, look, step one is what he is. He's a second-line center. Anybody that tells you different that he's a first-line center, uh, you know, just doesn't know anything to talk about. Well, let's go back uh, around the time when Stepan signed his deal, and you on uh, the opening night for the NHL wrote about how the NHL season is starting, but you don't care. And for someone who knows you, knows how much you love hockey, love the – well, maybe not the NHL necessarily, but the Rangers – for you to just come out and be like, I don't care on opening night after, you know, four or five months without hockey, um, has, has your mind changed? Or what, what, what even went through your mind when you wrote that? Well, I mean, I think the, the, the people that write the headlines kind of misinterpreted that, and that kind of led everybody to think that I don't care about hockey anymore. You know, what I didn't care about is the marketing and the propaganda that the NHL is, um, because I love hockey, and I love the Rangers, and I will watch all the games, and you know, I'll watch the games throughout the league, obviously, but what I don't like is, you know, how the NHL, for the longest time, and will always be the number four sport in the country, in the U.S., and I know, obviously, in Canada, the number one, and I don't even know if Canada plays other sports, um, but the NHL just has to deal with the fact that they're number four, instead of trying to uh, gain ground on the NBA, they're never going to touch baseball, they're never going to touch, nothing's ever going to touch the NFL. You know, all these outdoor games and all, you know, NHL.com promoting their game center live nonstop, and the NHL Network just promoting the same five players over and over, uh, the NBC, I mean, how many primetime games do we need to see also eventually to see the process other players in the league that are more appealing? Uh, you know, for example, Patrick Kane. Uh, he's a great player in the league, and a lot of people probably in the country don't even know who he is if you're not a hockey fan. Um, so that's what bugged me. And just you know, the, the, I'm someone that worked within the league, you know, and I don't want to. I'm not going to mention any names, obviously, um, you know. But just a lot of things I saw behind the 
the curtain, if you will, uh, really annoyed me. So I just kind of took out some vengeance in that uh, in that little piece I did. But I, you know, just put it out there that I still will watch the Rangers and cheer for them and whatnot. It was just the actual NHL, where the NHL is right now, the National Hockey League, the company, uh, is something that I'm not really happy with or proud of. Right now. Well, in that. Uh, blog you talked about how the Winter Classic has now become the stadium series, the multiple outdoor games. There'll be games at Yankee Stadium this year. There'll be games uh Dodger Stadium in L.A. There's, of course, the Winter Classic. And for someone, I mean, as someone who's a Yankees fan and, and Rangers fan at the same time, I'm looking forward to these games, and it just seems weird that you wouldn't be. Hey, look, man, my feeling is that should be then the Winter Classic. Like, there should be one outdoor game. There's no reason to have more. I guess they had the Heritage Fund. So maybe two. Two outdoor games. That they've had that, you know, for a couple of years now. But, I mean, in my feeling, those first couple of years, especially the first year with the Winter Classic, you know, no one does. I know there's bowl games for college football, but I'm not a college football fan. I enjoyed waking up on New Year's Day knowing that there was a hockey game I could watch early afternoon, you know, order some Chinese food, have a couple of beers, <laughs> and watch the outdoor game. That's what I look forward to. And that's what a lot of people that didn't love, you know, people that didn't love the NHL were still going to watch that. It was like almost the Super Bowl of the NHL. It was great. That was one marketing idea I felt was good because it had a hook. It was original. There was one game a year, I guess, or two. You know, now we're going to have five, six, seven, eight games a year. It just takes away the, the, the coolness of it. Now it's going to be generic. Now, I'm excited that the Rangers and Devils and, you know, whatever get to play outdoors, the Yankees Stadium, that's cool. That should be the Winter Classic on New Year's Day. We don't need 17 outdoor games. It gets monotonous. It gets, it, it just gets to be too much. The NHL, and I guess a lot of things do this, find something that works, find something that's cool, and they beat the hell out of it to, to the point where it's not cool and it's not exciting. Uh, you know, 24-7 was a great show on HBO. I'm not even sure they're going to do that this year. If they are, I missed the announcement. But it was cool because it built up to one game. It's just it's too much of the same thing, and uh, that's what I don't like. And uh, along the lines with you know you being upset about the the stadium series is something that I'm also upset about in hybrid icing, which just takes away the touch icing, the race for the puck. Now that you know the refs are blowing the early whistle, and sure it's a safety measure, but you don't really see too many injuries, too many terrible, terrible hits coming from touch icing. And uh, I guess the only positive, which could be a negative, is if your team's uh, trailing late in the game, um, having the refs blow the whistle early does give you a few seconds if you need to pull a goalie or get the face off down the other end. And obviously, if you're trying to hold on to that lead, that goes against it. But I was against hybrid icing. Uh, you clearly are too. Um, you know, now having seen it for a month in regular season games, have you changed your mind? I don't hate it as much as I thought I was going to, but I still think it's uh, a stupid idea. And I don't want to come off sounding like heartless or rooting for injury. I don't care that a couple guys broke their legs. I, 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 it's hard. Well, that certainly doesn't come off that way. Right. I mean, like, I care that for the guy that it happened to, but that's part of the game. I'm not a hockey player because I'm not tough enough to go out there and, and compete. But once you sign that contract... You're, you're, you're putting yourself out there to potentially get hurt. I hope it doesn't happen. I honestly hope that nobody ever breaks their leg or gets concussion in any sport, uh, especially a sport that you're watching and kids want to get up, get it, grow up and play. But it's part of the game. Injuries are part of the game. You hate to see it. But you can't, if you take every precaution to avoid injury, 
And I know concussions are a big thing, and I don't really, I don't want to start getting into that. But the hybrid racing, look, it sucked that a couple guys broke their legs or sprained their ankles. You know, but it's a tough run to game, and it's gonna, it's gonna happen, and you just hope it doesn't. And you know, with the and, 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 and there's also times where chasing the puck for ice can create the scoring opportunity. You know, so That's I true. mean, it also affects the actual player on the ice. And with the rule changes, is uh, you mentioned fighting and how you thought you know you think eventually it will be eliminated. And I know that Brian Burke, who's one of your favorites, and you always you know make sure you you uh, plug him when you get a chance to say how he's one of your favorites. He wrote a guest column in USA Today, and I think maybe it was you that retweeted it about you know why fighting's necessary in the game and why he thinks it holds a place. And you know these guys, these these beat guys, these these nerdy writers who are the ones that want it taken out, um, don't really understand how important it is. But now with the rule changes comes the rule that's been in place now this season with the, uh, you know, keeping your helmet on for the fight and, you know, not really squaring up the way things used to be. Uh, how do you think that's impacted the first month of play? I can't really think of too many um, times this year where the helmet rule has come into effect with the fighting. I know that a couple guys got around it by sticking off their opponent's helmets. Uh, look, I'll be the first one to tell you that stage fights are dumb because it becomes about the player and not the team. And attention, you know. Look, I was all about the Rangers Devil game last year, where they all, all three players on each team just dropped before the puck was even dropped, and I, that was exciting and entertaining. You know, but stage fights are dumb. We can't be two guys at the face-off circle saying, "Hey, as soon as the puck drops, we're going to go." You know, fights that happen organically on the ice because something happened, or someone was hit hard, or there was a little bit of a dirty, dirty hit or something. That's what it's there for. It's there to change momentum in the game. But to have a stage fight is stupid, and players are going to get hurt that way, and that's something you don't want to see. But that's um, that's the reason why people are so against fighting, is the interest in the stage fight. I agree the stage fights are dumb, but the, the organic fights that happen on the ice, that happen in the moment, in the heat of the battle, I mean, it's a war out there, are the ones you can't take away, because those are what have been in the game for so long and what make the game uh, different from other sports. And I know you're not going to say a bad word about Gary Bettman for your uh, your undying love for him and, you know, having worked with him in the past, but there's now, you know, the potential changes coming in the future where we hear about today 4-on-4 uh, four four OT turning into 3-on-3 three three OT. Um, there's still the questions of whether or not after this year going forward uh, uh, NHL players will be allowed to play in the Olympics, which I think is a necessity. I think you want to have the best players from across the world, and I know that the NHL doesn't like it because it takes away from their game for a month puts their best players at you know risk of injury but uh what are your feelings on on the way we're formatted now with the four on four overtime leading into a shootout is that something you'd change and for the olympics are you an olympics guy do you enjoy watching the games or do you think that they should go back to you know non-nhl players competing in them yeah there's so many places to go here uh it's not that i won't say a bad thing about gary bepping so i know he's made some horrific decisions like take I all the canadian teams see, and put him in I the uh, south see, oh yeah i i've i've worked with him on a personal level, and I've seen him off the camera, and I know how much he does care about the sport. Now, I know he's made some awful decisions, you know, and done some stupid things, and he's given us lockouts, but honestly, I, I wouldn't care less if he um, got fired or, or left, you know, resigned or whatever. Um, I'm just saying, I'm just, he's not as, you know, he does care, just one thing. Anyway, I, I, I don't think, I, honestly, you're breaking the news to me about the, the changes of the overtime rules. Um, I would leave it as is. I have no problem with the four on four. I mean, you make it three on three, no game will ever go to a shootout. Someone will score in five minutes. It'd be shocking. Uh, I, it's hard for me to 
the Olympics, I do enjoy the Olympic Games, and I like watching the hockey games, and I like the concept of all the good players being there from the NHL. But I absolutely hate the fact that it interferes with the season. It might be the stupidest thing uh, in the history of the world. Um, it, it, it big break in the middle of the season, towards the latter part of the season, right before the trade deadline, uh, or right after, the, right around the trade deadline time. I mean, is there any other two weeks so we can go across the, you know, a couple other countries away, risk injury? I mean, for example, let's just go to the Rangers. If Lundqvist, the Rangers somehow right now are as for real as we seem to think they may be, coming on a nice little winning streak. Let's just say for argument's sake, the first in the conference, Lundqvist goes over, plays for Team Sweden, and tears out his knee. While playing in the Olympics, not even playing for the Rangers. I mean, jeez, I mean, how, how are you going to feel about that? That's, you know, that's why it's a it, disaster. Right? I mean, and then to, you know, have to say the Rangers are on like a seven-game winning streak, and then you just pause the season for two weeks. I, I mean, it, it's absolutely unheard of, and that's why, to me, the players in the Olympics are Just the timing. If it was in the summer, then and fine. Get to Winter Olympics, and, and, you know, you're going to have to pause the NHL season for it. I think that's the problem. Well, let's go around the league now, or at least uh, we'll start in the metro area where the Rangers, you know, they're flying high over the last uh, few weeks here, getting back into the playoff picture, back to the team we thought they'd be, and doing all this without Nash. Um, you've also got the Devils and the Islanders in the area. The Islanders have sort of stumbled of late. Vanek hasn't been exactly the scoring threat that they thought when they traded Molson for him. Were you a fan of this trade? I mean, to me, they're getting, I think, a better player. I know they sort of gave up a guy who's people think is equal to Vanek. I don't think so. I think he's slightly less. Uh, and they had to give up the draft picks as well. But it's the Islanders' mentality that's sort of, you know, they're trying to, to jump on this chance with, uh, you know, Tavares, Ocposo, these guys hitting their prime. Are you a fan of the move to get Vanek and give up Molson in the picks? I thought uh, Garth Snow should have been showed giving up pink slips for making that trade. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, who wants to talk about one of the stupidest moves I remember in recent history? Um, and it's not anything against Tom McVanek. Uh, he's obviously a, a great, great goal scorer. He scored over 20 goals every season. I have to look to see what he did last year in the short year. Um, he scored 40 goals multiple times. But he's a free agent. Uh, I know Matt Moles is a free agent as well. And I agree with you that Vanek is a better player. But I'm not, I mean, what is he, a goal better, nine-goal better player? Yeah. Last um, year, Vanek had uh 20 goals, 21 assists in 38 games. Okay, so he has scored over 20 goals in every year of his career. And when Molson was one of those core guys that fit with the team, you know, and I'd almost, argue, I'd, I'd almost be more okay with it if it was just a one-on-one player-for-player trade. You know, but to give up the draft picks, which in the NHL are more valuable, I think, than any other sport, maybe not the NFL. Um, I, just, I think you gave up way too much for a guy you may not have next year and is not that much of an upgrade from Matt Molson. I agree with you, he is an upgrade. But, I mean, it's not exactly like you're getting Wayne Gretzky for Nicholas Sustra. I mean, you're getting, you know, Adam Graves in his prime for, uh, you know, Bobby Holik in his prime. Like, it's not, you know, it, it's not that much of a difference of a player. And plus, Molson had a good, you know, good thing going with the Islanders. Um, so that's why. Here's the thing. I think you could have gotten Vanek without giving up Molson. You know, I think that would have been uh, the better thing to do. And I don't know if the Sabres actually required to get Molson in the deal. And it's just, just a foregone conclusion. They're probably going to trade him anyway. So it just to me like, seemed like they gave up way too much. Vanek is a good player, and he's going to help that team. I, I just think they gave up way too much. 
Well, with the Islanders, you know, trying to build off last season when they sort of gave the Penguins a run for their money in the first round, uh, there's been a lot of people that are trying or, you know, voicing their opinion about Capuano the way that I would for Girardi or Tortorella in the past. And, you know, is Capuano doing a good enough job to keep his job with the Islanders, or do you think they need a change there? I think Capuano is fine for that team. I think he works well with young players. The problem is when you don't have a guy in net that can stop the puck, um, you're not going to go very far in the playoffs. So I think that's going to be their main concern. You know, if the Islanders were so inclined to do a blockbuster with the Sabres, why not try and get Ryan Miller back? I mean, that, that's the move they should have been looking to do. Because um, as good as Penny Nabaco can be, he's not going to win you a Stanley Cup at this point in his career. He's probably not even going to win you a playoff break. <laughs> um, so to me, that's the problem with the Islanders. I love their team. I find myself cheering for the fact that they've been bad for so long and now they're kind of coming together. Um, but you're not going to get anywhere with that goalie. And, uh, you know, he does a nice job for them in the regular season. He's going to win them some games. Uh, he's going to make them, you know, competitive. You know, but they're not going to do anything of, substan- of substance until they find an upgrade. Well, with Capuano there, you know, there's a lot of people that are are saying that Poulin should be the guy that's starting over Nabokov at this point, and, you know, he's played better of recent, and Nabokov sort of had a shaky inconsistency, you know, up and downs, which he's had pretty much throughout his entire career. So who do you think right now should be the number one there? I mean, look, you're going to – it's hard to even – I mean, look, I I would go split 50-50. I mean, either one of them – look, Poulin – we haven't seen enough of him to really know what he can be. But I'm not sure I'm confident enough to just give him the number one uh, key to that team. Uh, unfortunately, I think you have to stick with Nabokov at this point. I think he's your best option. When I give Poole a much uh, bigger look, absolutely. And if he comes on and is just dominant, uh, you know, if he looks like Nika Kippersoff, then absolutely I give him the nod. I just don't know. I don't still see that happen. Is the Islanders' goaltending uh, answer currently playing for the Rangers? Um, uh, I think obviously any Islander fan would tell you in a heartbeat, and they'd be lying to you if they say they wouldn't want Ever Bunkless on their team. But but we've joked around about it. If I go to the press conference, I know how I'd be there. (laughs) Um, And and it it makes sense, you know, because you know Brooklyn, the new arena, you know, it makes too. It almost makes too much sense. Because right, it makes, at, I mean, at, the move makes sense. at this point of his career, I, the thing with Lundqvist to me was always that, you know, the biggest fear was that the Rangers, with their young talent, with, you know, trying to build scoring from within the organization, build steady defensemen from within the organization, was that by the time all these players were able to put it together, Lundqvist would be out of his prime. But he sort of has an opportunity where if it doesn't work out with the Rangers this year, for some reason they're not good, some reason they don't win at all, which, you know, there's a better chance they're not going to win at all than they will. And he does go there. It's sort of the perfect storm because he's, you know, starting the back nine of his career. He's still in his prime, and he has a chance to put it together, uh, build this thing up from the ground in Brooklyn, and do it with guys like Tavares and Akposo and Vanek if he could stay, and all these other guys that are now going to be entering their mid twenties and just entering their prime. So to me, it's like if I'm him, I'd probably just go there. I mean, it just if not there, Pittsburgh or somewhere that'll give him a better chance for the long haul and for the future. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, he will end up signing, re-signing in New York with the Rangers, not the Islanders. Um, But, no, look, putting Lundquist on Pittsburgh makes perfect sense, although that doesn't show up in the playoffs anyway. 
uh, <laughs> except for that one year. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, it, the best teams right now all have goalies. The Ducks, uh, the Kings, you know, the Blackhawks seem to be comfortable proper. They're just coming up the cup anyway. So, I mean, yeah, Longquist is obviously comfortable here. The fans love him. He's happy with the fans. Uh, he's got a nice situation in New York as far as uh, living conditions. I mean, the Islanders do make sense, but I yeah. think... Uh, I, I mean, I don't think the, he would... I mean, really outside of staying with the Rangers because, you know, he wants to be Mr. Broadway. He likes being the, you know, the king of New York. He likes that, probably enjoys that lifestyle, I think. And, you know, he's the face of a franchise here and, and one of the faces of hockey. If he goes somewhere to a smaller market, it necessarily wouldn't be the but, case. But if he but, goes you know, to Pittsburgh... Time, what's that? At the same time, he wants to win. You know, and he, he's going he's gonna, to, you know, have the right to think about what's best for his NHL career. Much about winning, then if he's not happy with the Rangers' uh, situation, maybe he will look elsewhere. But, I mean, the Rangers are playing better now. Maybe he's going to be a lot comfortable, a lot more comfortable with Elaine Vigneault coaching and his style of play. And, you know, if the Rangers have a really good year, um, which I think there's a chance they do, especially with the idea of getting Nash back healthy in a few days, uh, I think that's going to help the Rangers' chances. I'd really be shocked if he doesn't resign with the Rangers, but I guess there is that, you know, five to ten percent chance that he doesn't. And there was reports that with say they're in Toronto for the um, Hall of Fame inductions that he was going to meet this week with Don Me and Lundqvist's agent to try to work on the extension. Um, I know that there's people that you know they're like well, you know you know you need to stay in pad. You can't go six, you can't go more than six years. Eight years is insane. Um, how many years would make the most sense? I, I mean, to me, people are worried about giving him an eight-year deal and paying for a 39-year-old Lundquist and, you know, destroying the cap eight years from now. But I, it's one of those things like you're seeing with uh, what's going to happen with Cano or guys in baseball where you have to overpay now for them just to keep them and, and worry about, you know, the future when you get there, I think. I think. I mean, I think you got to give him anything you can. He's the face of the franchise. To me, he's the best goalie in the league. He's their best player. Um, and without him, I don't know where they go. I mean, ideally, you'd want a five-year deal um, because that's when that's the age range, 31 to 36, 37, that he could probably play at the top level. Um, and, you know, maybe just decline a little bit at the age of 35, 36. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you're going to have to go seven, eight years and just deal with it. Um, you know, the Devils had to do that. It's just you, know, you just deal with it, and you know, if you hope that you know when he gets to be that age, that he'll maybe he'll accept the role of being a backup or something like that. All right, Monzo. Well, it's good to check in with you. I know we're already uh, pretty late on the season since we're about almost a quarter of the way through, but uh, we'll have to do it more often. And hopefully, the next time we talk, the Rangers are still rolling. I'll see you. Later.